Welcome back to the Godwit podcast. Yeah, it's good to uh, get together again and to talk about the gospel. I hope that you're beginning to get your head around the idea that the gospel is first and foremost about who Jesus is and how he is bringing the kingdom of God both in the past and is now continuing to bring it. And one day it's going to be coming in all its fullness. And that's what uh, we look forward to in the future, inheriting the earth in which Jesus is ruling and the kingdom of God has fully come. In our last episode, we looked at the birth of Jesus and the, and the narrative around that and how the message was very clear that the emphasis that the gospel writers wanted to bring out is that uh, the Messiah has come and that Messiah is Jesus. And now we're going to look at the ministry of John the Baptist, who is a contemporary of Jesus and actually his cousin, um, a forerunner, and how the ministry of John the Baptist also has that very same incredibly clear message. We've been talking the whole time about the gospel, how the gospel is the kingdom of God has come and Jesus is the king. He's the Messiah. If the Messiah has come, the kingdom of God has come. Those two messages are, are intertwined. Uh, and John the Baptist, another one who had that same message, the Messiah is coming and he was the forerunner. So we're going to bring that out and show that that's, that's pretty clear in the scriptural accounts. Now we in talking about the gospel, uh, right from the beginning, uh, we said that uh, what has been the contemporary gospel for, for a while has focused on Jesus' death for sins um, and particularly as an, uh, a way to get into heaven as being the gospel. Uh, and we would say, no, that's not the gospel. <laughs> no. I mean, um, it's, 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 in, it's one of the necessary aspects of the gospel but it's not the gospel that they preached yeah it's it's there in the whole mix of the big story mm. somewhere so what we're, we're going to be bringing out in uh, as we go through the gospel accounts um, is that so if we did a pie chart on themes mm. the theme of the kingdom of heaven coming and the Messiah coming to bring the rule of God again would take up the majority of that pie chart and the theme of um Forgiveness of sins through an atoning sacrifice would be actually a tiny sliver. Mm. Uh, and that might sound controversial, but uh, it's actually true. If yeah. you look at the gospel accounts, yeah. um, th that's what we find. Um, just briefly, I, I actually did a look at uh, all through the, the four gospels to see where the explicit references to uh, forgiveness of sins through an atoning death or that Jesus... Um, coming death would be uh, something that would bring forgiveness. Um, and there's only three references in the whole four gospel accounts that you can somehow link to that idea. Mm. Only three. But when you look at the theme of the, the coming of the kingdom of God and the coming of the Messiah, it's on every page and in every mm. encounter. It yeah, is right. just Everywhere. That yeah. is the theme. That is hands down the theme. Or even when Jesus uh, heals the man who was paralyzed, he's on the mat, he, he turns to the, the gathered, crown, uh, gathered crowd rather, and he says to them, just so that you know that the Son of Man, which means the Messiah, has the right to forgive sins, he turns around to the man and says, pick up your mat and go home, which was a sign 
that he had the authority as the Messiah to be the one who forgives. Mm. So even there, it's even talking about forgiveness of sins is underscoring the Messiahship of Jesus. So which, whichever way you cut it, the Gospels are about King Jesus. They're not so much about um, the things we get as a result of the kingdom of God, although that's all wonderful, or the rewards that come with it, a, a wonderful salvation and so on. But the big headline story of the Gospels is this guy, Jesus, he is the Messiah. He's the one predicted in the Old Testament. He's the one who's been upheld by God, God uh, the Father, chosen by God to be the true king, not just for the Jews but through the Jews for the world, and that's the big gospel story. Yeah, so do you want to just give us a, uh, a bit of a background on John the Baptist? Or should we say John the Baptizer? I thought he was Presbyterian. Oh, Oh, no, he's Baptist, that's right. Yeah. John the Baptist. Wait, isn't he Catholic? <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I mean, well, universal, yeah. <laughs> so, no, so this, this character was uh, someone that they were expecting to appear. Before the Messiah would come, there was an expectation that one like Elijah, a great prophet, would appear who would foreshadow the coming of the Messiah. And, in fact, uh, John himself actually took that on board and believed he was that one. He said, I'm not the Messiah, because they actually questioned him in uh, Matthew chapter 3. They said, are you the Messiah? He said, no, I'm not I'm not the Messiah. I'm the one who foreshadows the Messiah. I'm the one who is like a, a voice in the wilderness, uh, who is filling in the valleys and making straight the paths for the Messiah to come into town, so to speak, metaphorically speaking. And so he comes preaching uh, repentance, which means to make yourself ready. Again, this this whole concept of repentance that John comes preaching is not so much a repentance from your immorality, although that's included, but rather it's repenting from false allegiances or following certain groups or having your allegiance, say, to the Essenes or the Pharisees or the Zealots or any other of the groups that might have been around. There were dozens of groups that were around and saying, I'm going to clear the, clear the, uh, um, the, the plate, if, you, if, you, if I can put it that way, and get ready for the coming of the kingdom of God. So I'm going to take all my other investments in other kings or other uh, ways of thinking, I'm going to put them aside because now I'm ready for the coming of the true king who's about to appear. And that's the kind of message that John the Baptist uh, came preaching. Mm. So, Should we have a look at uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, in our last episode? We talked about his uh, prophecy regarding the Messiah, uh, this is before they're both born. Oh, no, this is when John was born. Yeah. And Zechariah, who was made mute for the entire time of um, Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, when John's born, then he's able to speak. He names him and he, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesies. And the first part of his prophecy we looked at in the last episode, which is related to the coming of the Messiah and the coming of God's salvation. The second half of the prophecy, he talks about his son, John. Mm. And this is what he says, um, looking ahead at what John's ministry will be. Mm. Uh, in Luke chapter 1 from verse 76, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. 
So that prophecy there uh, is about the ministry of of John that he will prepare the way for uh, for the Lord. Mm. He'll go before the Lord and prepare the way for Him, uh, and and it's about the mercy of God coming to a people in darkness um, and in living in the shadow of death and bringing out peace. So that's mm. related to this whole salvation picture that the prophets prophesied about in the Old Testament about. Um, the rule of God coming back into the world and pushing us, uh, pushing out all the darkness and bringing peace and justice and righteousness for his people. Now, you may have noticed in the middle of that prophecy there, it says, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, hmm. uh, to which some people might say, aha, so <laughs> salvation is about forgiveness of sins. But the interesting thing is that uh, in all through the rest of um, Luke's gospel, he doesn't tie forgiveness of sins at all to an atoning death. And again, looking at other um, scriptures in the New Testament, later on there develops a, some doctrines and theology around understanding uh, that one of the components of Jesus' death mm. was related to an atoning sacrifice. Mm. Uh, which we'll look at later. But uh, in Luke's gospel, he doesn't draw that parallel. And so when we look at the prophecy about John, that he will bring the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, if we bring the doctrine of atonement into that picture, we're importing it. Mm. We're importing it where it it actually doesn't belong. Mm. Because what we actually have is... um, uh, a bit later in Luke, um, I think in chapter 3, where it says what John was preaching. Here we go. In Luke chapter 3, verse 3, he went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance mm-hmm. for the forgiveness of sins. So John's actually saying repent, uh, which you've touched on mm-hmm. what that means just before, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And that whole process um, is a preparation for the people of God, Mm. for their king to come. So this whole idea of forgiveness of sins is not as simple as we've been led to believe Mm. or that um, we've had through um, Christian tradition where it's Mm. only been tied to Jesus' sacrificial death. Um, we see baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins as a preparation for the the coming Messiah. We also see, as you mentioned before, Jesus just forgiving sins. Um, well, that was a just, sign that he's the Messiah. Yeah, the as, fact, yeah the that, fact he that he has authority, has authority to do that. Yeah, no one else has the authority to do that. Yeah. Mm. So essentially, John the Baptist's ministry was to um, prepare the way for the Messiah. Um, so we see in Matthew chapter three. Mm-hmm. Um, when John appears from verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Have you heard that message before somewhere? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe I have. <laughs> we, we, we mentioned it in uh, our first episode, I believe, because mm. in Matthew, if you jump to the next chapter, mm. chapter 4, uh, after Jesus begins his ministry, 
in chapter 4, verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And, and I seem it's to the, remember that the apostles preached something like that as well. <laughs> so when Peter got up on the day of Pentecost, he talked about Jesus as the true Messiah, so therefore you should repent, and which, again, is mainly about changing your allegiance and getting your allegiances sorted out and making sure that you're not following after some other idea or philosophy or religion or, or some other group, but clearing the table and then taking on the kingdom of God and letting Jesus be your king. That's what repentance is first and foremost about. Mm. And it goes on to say, um, this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Mm. Sorry, it's interesting as well to also mention that he was out in the wilderness and that he was living off the land, so to speak. You know, he was eating wild honey and locusts, that kind of thing. So he was from outside the system. So when John came preaching the gospel, the good news of repentance and the coming of the kingdom, he wasn't grinding an axe or towing a rope for anyone else. He wasn't under the directorship of, say, the Pharisees or he wasn't under the priesthood. He wasn't under the Essenes or the Zealots or any other group. And there were a whole bunch of other groups around and so he came as a kind of a fresh voice out of the out of the blue, so to speak, and no one could control him. He was coming with a fresh voice from God. The Spirit of God was controlling him. And, in fact, he was uh, even in the womb. He was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit as a prophet. And so he came just like Elijah who also came from outside the system and was being looked after in the wilderness as well. Uh, this was a sign that he was in the likeness of Elijah and therefore had the authority to speak um, as uh, the mouthpiece of God. Um, Jesus himself said of, of all the prophets he was the greatest, not because he was better than the other prophets, but because he came with the greatest message, which is here's the kingdom of God, it's about to appear, here's the Messiah. The others could only look way down the way down the, the long barrel of the Old Testament towards the Messiah. But here is John the Baptist. He is the, the most blessed of all of the prophets from the Old Covenant because he is able to announce personally, here is the Messiah, here is the kingdom of God. It's right here, right now. Get ready. So in both Matthew chapter 3 and Luke chapter 3, we have the ministry of John the Baptist. We're going to look at Luke chapter 3 because everything in Matthew uh, is also in Luke, but Luke is more expanded. So mm. uh, you can look at either chapter, but uh, the main themes are in are in both. Mm. What we see in both is this designation, uh, this explanation of John as being um, a forerunner of the Messiah, uh, and this passage from Isaiah, the voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for Him, uh, and in in Luke it's. Um, fleshed out a little bit more. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. The rough ways made, uh, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. And what will they? What do they mean? What does he mean, brother, when he says they will see God's salvation? The Messiah. The Messiah. The Messiah is the salvation of God encaptured in the life of Jesus. Jesus is salvation embodied. So salvation isn't just something that Jesus does for us, rather he himself 
is that salvation embodied in his kingdom, in his coming as the king. And so salvation is, you can't, you don't get salvation as a commodity which is given to you and then you go off and enjoy it in a corner. Mm. Rather, it's coming to know Jesus and being under his rule and being in his kingdom. There is salvation because salvation has to be described in messianic ways and in kingdom ways. It can't be described as a spiritual commodity, which I think we sometimes fall into that trap of making salvation into a thing which you get from Jesus. You don't get salvation from Jesus, you get it in Jesus. Like when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he, he doesn't just point us to the way, he himself is the way, mm. and it's only in Christ that we can then uh, have peace with God and with one another and with creation. So salvation as a concept has to be understood in that full-orbed kind of full-bodied way. Yeah, and we see that in the Old Testament and in, in particular in Isaiah. There's a lot in Isaiah where this idea of salvation is described as God himself coming to Jerusalem mm. to rescue his people. Yeah. And so that's when when John says every, the whole world will see the salvation of God. It means they'll see God himself coming to rescue his people. Yeah, that's right. And that's what we see in, in, in Jesus, mm. the Messiah, who is actually uh, also Yahweh. Yeah. Which we haven't really looked at, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's right. But that's a that's another topic. Oh, but gosh. it is it's all tied in. There's there's too, there's too many threads. Yeah, there is. Yeah, to tie together. So we're yeah. we're just really sticking with this theme of Messiah for now. All right. So one of the things we have to look at in the ministry of John the Baptist is that he comes saying that the kingdom of God is coming. But if the kingdom is coming and the king is coming, that's not all going to be, you know, sweetness and light for everyone who's involved. In fact, it, what it means is some of the old systems are going to be torn down. Mm. I mean, King Herod is standing in the way. Some of the uh, the spiritual insights of the Pharisees are standing in the way and other groups had their own take on the kingdom of God. And all of those things are going to be flattened. And I think that's involved in leveling the mountains and filling in the valleys is that old, old systems have to be wiped out of the way before the kingdom of God can come. And in fact, part of the message of John the Baptist, and he says this to the Pharisees who are spying on him, you know, that the Pharisees have sort of had a and the Sadducees had a, a finger in all the pies, all the political pie, pies in Jerusalem because they were trying to keep peace with Herod and the Romans and try to keep their, their power in their corner of the market, so to speak. And having someone like John the Baptist who's from outside the system, he's kind of upsetting their way of doing things. And so they're a bit worried. And, in fact, he says to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. So you notice that the coming of the kingdom means that there is going to be judgment coming with it as well. If you oppose the kingdom, then you're going to get knocked down. I mean, Jesus himself said, if you're not for me, then you're against me. It was kind of uh, unapologetic because he, Jesus, understood himself to be the Messiah and he didn't, he didn't tiptoe around that. And so he had a demand for repentance, a demand for changing your allegiance and following him. Mm. And, and then... Um, John the Baptist goes on to say, for I tell you, oh, sorry, in verse 9 of chapter 3 of Luke, he says, the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, the trees he's talking about there is all the old systems or all of the traditions that have been built up by the Jews and all of their machinations about how the Messiah was going to come. And he's saying, no, all of that's got to go. Anything that stands in the way of the kingdom of God is going to be pulled down 
and uh, thrown aside. In fact, he goes on in verse 16 saying, I baptise with water, but the one who is more powerful than me will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, and he will baptise with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, that word fire there isn't just a synonym for the Holy Spirit. That's a synonym for judgment because he goes on and says, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So he's saying there is going to be a great divide here. When the kingdom comes, if your allegiance isn't with him, you're going to be considered chaff and you'll be thrown into the fire and burnt. Um, But there is also the gathering. And Jesus comes first of all to do the gathering, but later there is also going to be the winnowing fork and fire action is going to take place. Now, during the ministry of Jesus, John the Baptist actually said uh, when he was in prison, he sent some of his messengers or disciples to Jesus saying, are you the guy, are you really the guy? Because I'm not seeing a whole lot of this kind of winnowing fork and fire action going on. And Jesus replies to him virtually saying, no, I'm going through the gathering stage at this at this time. I am healing the sick. I'm, I'm opening the eyes of the blind and I'm preaching good news to the poor. In other words, he's giving an opportunity for the gathering of the grain to be brought in. But we must understand that later on, as part of Jesus' ministry, even after the ascension was the destruction of the temple. In other words, the trees, the old trees were going to be brought down. But he gave a time of one whole generation. There's 40 years between the ministry of Jesus and the destruction of the temple. And that whole 40-year thing being one generation long is kind of a a thing in the themes of the Old Testament and of Jewish culture. And so there was a time of grace. There's a time of grace where there's a gathering of the grain for one whole generation, but then the new system, the new operating system of the kingdom of God is going to be fully in place from that time onwards. And then Jerusalem is destroyed and the temple is burnt down and that was the end of the old system. Now a new temple is being built, which is... Jesus himself, he is the new temple, and the church is the living bricks in the new temple. I mean, Jesus foreshadowed all that in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, but we're not going to talk about that right now. We're just saying that this is the big thing that John the Baptist was seeing. He was seeing this big thing, and he didn't fully grasp the nature of the kingdom of God uh, in the coming of Jesus. He was expecting it to all happen in one week or two weeks or whatever, but it actually was going to be spread out over 40 years. So what we're seeing in the ministry of Jesus is the announcement of this good coming kingdom and the opportunity for anyone to repent and to be included, the gathering of the grain. But that doesn't preclude the fact that Jesus is also going to bring an end to the old system. And he did that 40 years later when the temple was destroyed and he warned the Israelites this was going to happen and he gave them all of the instructions they needed to prevent that from happening and how they could be preserved from being caught up in that judgment. But that doesn't stop the judgment happening happening nonetheless. And so the old trees get cut down and thrown into the fire, but the good news is there's a whole new thing and you can be part of the whole new thing. That's what John the Baptist was seeing. I don't think he fully understood it himself. That's why he asked Jesus those questions. But nonetheless, Jesus was the one And Jesus reassured John the Baptist that he was, in in fact, truly the Messiah. Mm. So we see very clearly that the ministry of John the Baptist was, I mean, he preached the same message as Jesus. Repent, Mm. uh, change your worldview and your mindset and Mm. your behaviour and your allegiance. Mm. Change everything 
uh, in light of the fact that the kingdom of heaven is coming. Mm. Uh, the Messiah is coming. Yeah. His ministry was to pave the way for the Messiah and to call people to repentance. Yeah. In in light of that fact. So so what we're seeing in John in the ministry of John the Baptist is that his ministry was foreshadowed that he would be one like Elijah who would come and he identified himself as that person and said I'm not the Messiah but the one coming after me is the true Messiah. I'm only here to announce him. Then Jesus comes saying, yes, I am the Messiah, and I and he even has to explain that to John the Baptist in a way that he can understand. And so what we're seeing underscored again and again and again is that the good news is that Jesus is the Messiah. And all we're seeing here in the ministry of John the Baptist is just another brick in that wall, if, if you like. It's just another way of saying, look, all of this is predicted. All of this is in the long history of Israel and the coming of Jesus as Messiah is the fulfillment of everything that was promised. And so John the Baptist is just another way of underscoring that uh, whole prediction in the Old Testament and of looking forward to the coming of the true king. And saying that when the king comes, mm. uh, everything is changing. Mm. The slate's wipe, being wiped clean. Mm. Uh, all the old ways are being pushed to the side and there's a new way. With, yeah. the, with the king. Yeah. And it's going to throw everything into turmoil. Yeah. And some people are going to love it and some people are going to hate it. Yeah. And we're going to go on and see in the ministry of Jesus, people hated him literally to death. Yeah. And other people loved him and just couldn't get enough of it. So, yeah. And it wasn't because he was dying for sins that people hated him. Mm. It was because he turned everything upside down. He brought the rule of God mm. and the rule of God pushes everything. That's not that out. Yeah, it's like a grader. It just comes and pushes all of the false kingdoms to the side of the road and uh, just leaves them destroyed. And the the only kingdom that's left standing is the kingdom of God, which is overseen by Jesus as the true king. Yeah. So we uh, hope this episode has been informative for you and uh, we look forward to speaking with you again next time. Uh, Feel free to leave any comments or questions for us and don't forget to share this content if it's been helpful for you yeah and don't forget we're only skipping a stone across the 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 top of the pond here we're not trying to go right down deep we're just trying to get the large message of the gospel out there so till next week see you later ciao